today? Amen. Amen. Well, you can go ahead and be seated today. What a great day to celebrate. And I want to take a moment and just welcome all of those that are joining with us for the very first time. What an honor it is to be able to host you today. And we pray you feel right at home here today. And uh, listen, can you give it up for all of our first time guests in the house and those watching online for the first time? Come on. Welcome. Boy, we're so glad that you're here today. And uh, at the end of this service, we would be so honored to greet you and connect with you. Some of our leadership team will be in a guest reception that's been prepared just for you. And uh, it's a room outside these doors. And before you hit the doors to go outside, you'll see on the left-hand side a big, huge sign that says guest reception. If you take just a moment of your time and uh, slip in there, let us know it's your first time. We'll be so grateful and honored to meet you and connect with you. And uh, listen, for those that are tech savvy or those that have, uh, maybe you're watching online today for the very first time, we're so glad that you are. Would you just take a moment and use that QR code or you can text D1 text to 84576 and you can use the electronic version of our connect card. Just let us know a little more about you. And listen, if you got a prayer request or praise report, a testimony of the things that God's doing, we would be so glad to be able to read about it and then uh, pray with you about what God is doing. Also, we encourage everyone to get connected to small groups. Life groups around here are the lifeblood of uh, all the relationships that are built. And uh, you can do that also through that QR code. And listen, one of the things that we always encourage people to do is sign up for GrowTrack. This is what we would call uh, the, the entry point to ministry. It helps uh, to connect you to both membership and ministry. And if you haven't gone through GrowTrack, I know many of you have, but if you started out the new year saying, boy, I really, we need to get connected. We need to get involved. I would encourage you, go ahead, sign up for the Grow Track. You can do that on those Connect cards. Or if you'd like to be baptized or dedicate a child to the Lord, we would love to celebrate with you in those spiritual moments. So listen, we got a couple of quick announcements we want to share with you. Next week, everybody say next week. <laughs> All right, all of our young adults age 18 to 35, we got something special prepared for you at six o'clock game night, uh, April 23rd. That's next Sunday at 6 p.m. where they're gonna have so much fun, 18 to 35 years of age. Uh, we launched that ministry about a year ago and had some great times together so far. But this is gonna be a fun night for you to connect and build relationships. And then the following Sunday, that's April 30th, we have a special prayer night. It's called Pray Dothan, and we've been doing this at the Civic Center for a couple of years, and I want you to know they have allowed us as a church, we are the first church to officially host Pray Dothan, a citywide prayer time. How many know we need prayer in our country? Nothing changes until we begin to pray, and Jesus, one of the first things he did in Passion Week is he walked into the temple and he realized they were doing things other than prayer. And he, he turned over the temple tables. He said, my house will be a house of prayer. And so we're going to be able to host this as a citywide event here at this church. And we're so honored to do that. It's 5 o'clock, April 30th. Please tell your friends, maybe your friends that go to other churches, they can be involved as well. This is a citywide event. It's not a Dothan First event. It's a citywide event. And uh, so excited about that. Well, listen, today we get to uh, celebrate and we've got 
uh, the whole month of May coming up is going to be Celebration Sundays. We're going to celebrate in our kids' first takeover. We'll celebrate on Mother's Day. We'll celebrate all the moms in the house. We've got the celebration of our graduates and that day, and then we're celebrating Pentecost Sunday. So a lot of celebration coming up. But today we get to celebrate baptism. And uh, so excited about what God is doing. When people get saved, then the next best step is baptism. And uh, so can we take a moment and give it up for our baptismal candidates today? Come on, man. This is exciting. The next best step after salvation, baptism. Good morning, Dothan First family. We thank you uh, for being with us today. Those of you watching online especially as we get to celebrate our continued act of worship through baptism. And we're so excited that we get to partner with some of our family members. We call them family members because when you get saved, you don't just get a father, you get a family. And uh, as Pastor Mark mentioned, if you text D1 text to 84576, you can take your next step in uh, faith and uh, scriptural obedience in what we call baptism. Matthew 28, 19 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we believe that baptism is an outward confession of an inward commitment. And today we're participating in our commitment to fulfill that great commission by baptizing some people because it celebrates Christ's death, his burial, and his resurrection. So today, our first baptismal candidate is Miss Alexis Shields. So uh, I got an opportunity to meet Alexis a little while ago, and she actually came to this church because of social media. So we always talk about it, but the importance of us sharing and talking about what God is doing here at our church is important. And so Alexis has communicated that she wants to make a decision to go public with her faith, and we're excited about that. So Alexis, I just have two questions for you. Uh, number one, do you love Jesus with all your heart? Awesome. And the other one is, will you serve him for the rest of your life? Upon your confession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Next, we have Mr. Collins Martin, and uh, Collins has been coming for a while as well, and uh, he's one of our uh, Northside Methodist crew, and uh, I got a chance to get to know him more in our small groups and things like that, and I'm so thankful for this young man's faith and his family. So, Collins, same two questions I have for you. First question, do you love Jesus with all your heart? Yes. All right, next question, will you serve him for the rest of your life? Yes. Awesome. All right. Upon your confession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah! Come on, give it up for him. <laughs> I love it. This is a celebration of what God is doing in this house. And uh, friends, if you've never been baptized, I would encourage you, please let us know. We would be so delighted to celebrate that spiritual moment with you and really with your whole family and to dedicate your life to the Lord in a really public way. And uh, this is another way we get to serve the Lord and to worship the Lord is through giving. How many know we get to give? We, we don't have to give. We get to give, right? Because of what God did for us. And so today we're going to celebrate in our giving, in our tithes and offerings, God's tithes and our offerings. And today, as we prepare to uh, pray over that time of giving, you can see the five ways to give that are on the screen. We're not going to pass 
the plate today, but you can see on your way out, there are uh, just little giving boxes, and you can worship on the way out with that gift. If you need giving credit, you can go ahead and take out in the seat pocket in front of you that little envelope, and then just mark on there all the important information so that we can make sure that you, if you want to tax giving credit, uh, that's another way that you can do that. But uh, listen, we're going to take a moment and pray over this time of giving. And maybe if you're seated by your spouse today, this might be an opportunity for you to just kind of take their hand and partner together to believe God for great things to take place in your finances as God blesses you. To whom much is given, much is required. Let's pray over this time of giving. Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we get to give and to partner with you to reach the world for your kingdom's benefit. And now, God, I speak strategic blessing over these, your people, over your children, Lord, over your families. And God, we thank you in advance that you give seed to the sower and you're able to make all grace abound to us so that in all things, at all times, having all that we could ever need, we would abound in every good work. And I bless these, your people, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you as you give today. And I'm going to invite our elders, if you would make your way toward our three stations of prayer. Friends, if you need prayer for any reason today, maybe you need a healing touch in your body. Maybe for others of you, it's a, a really strategic need financially, just like what we talked about a moment ago. And uh, maybe you heard at the, the job you were working at that they're doing layoffs or, or what have you. Listen, God is our supplier. He's our provider. And if you need prayer for any reason, we want to stand with you in prayer. Maybe there's others of you that uh, you've not made a decision for Christ. Friends, you can make that decision right now. And as you go to these elders for prayer, you can just let them know, I, I want to get saved today. I want to give my life to Christ. I want my sins forgiven. You can do that. So it may be a spiritual need, a financial need, a, a physical need. But listen, there may be needs relationally. You just need to have God come into your, your home and restore some things relationally between you and your spouse, you and your kids, whatever. Or maybe you got a child that's wayward or a family member that doesn't know the Lord and you want them to agree with you in prayer. Whatever it is, they're there as your elders to provide that prayer. Station in the back over here by the exit sign, over here by the exit sign, and up in the balcony right there. You can receive prayer and slip out from where you're at receive prayer during these next few songs of worship. Would you stand up with us and let's worship the Lord together in song. Pastor Adam, Pastor Hayden, would you lead us? As we sing this next song together, I just want to invite you, as the Lord spoke to me this week about gratitude, that really worship is not a song we sing. Not Worship is not us playing instruments up here. Worship is an attitude of every one of our hearts. So I want to invite you this morning just to cast aside whatever distraction may be here, whatever worry from your week that you're carrying this morning. Just lay it aside and focus on the King of Kings. Focus on who He is and all that He's done. And just have a heart of gratitude and thankfulness as we worship Him this morning. So come on, let's worship. The chasm that lay between us, how high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name. 
sound of thankfulness to him today. Thank you for saving my soul, Jesus. There's nothing Just sing a new song to the Lord. So this morning, just sing out your gratitude to Him. It's not about how you sound. It's about releasing what's in your heart, the gratefulness, the thankfulness for who He is and all He's done. a week past Easter, but we'll never get tired of celebrating what our Savior's done. Amen. Come on and give him a hand clap of praise this morning. We're so grateful for who he is and all he's done. Amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated and turn your attention to the screen. To the broken and to the hurting, to the desperate and to the defeated, to the common, the average, the plain and the small, I want you to know you matter to God. To the washed up and the worn out, to the helpless and the hopeless, to the cast outs, the dropouts, the last picks and hypocrites, to the unimpressive and the underwhelming, to the nobodies and has-beens, to people just like me, you matter to God. You are not defined by your worst days or your biggest mistakes. And you are not the sum total of all your setbacks, slip-ups, failures, and faults. Because who you are is not determined by what you have, where you've been, or what you've done, but who Jesus declares you to be. You matter to God. Maybe at some point somebody told you something that simply wasn't true. That you're nothing but unworthy, unwanted, and unloved. But I want the loudest voice in your ear to be the voice that breaks the cedars and shakes the wilderness. And he says, you matter to me. Before the galaxies were born or the first star gave light, before the ocean waves crashed or the night sky cracked with thunder, before any creature crawled or any bird sang, before the planets were set in motion, he set in motion the plan of your salvation. From the highest heights of heaven, the Lord of all creation, looked upon your desperation, he became like one of us to remake all of us, to make an orphan his child, to make a rebel his friend, to set the prisoner free. You matter to God. So to all the sons and daughters of God, to all my brothers and sisters in Christ, behold his power and glory and majesty. Behold the one who matters most. How many thankful that you matter to God? Come on, turn to your neighbor and tell him you matter to God. Let him know right now. You matter to God. Well, listen, I want you to grab your copy of God's Word. I want to welcome, once again, our first-time guests, as well as those that are watching online for the very first time. And I would really encourage you to uh, grab not only your Bible, but if you've got a smartphone or a tablet PC, you can use the YouVersion app of the Bible. We always put our notes in there 
to help you follow along, as well as the social media platforms to help you share the message. I would always encourage you to take a moment and uh, in your smart device, if you would just simply tag Dothan First or somehow make a connection to your sphere of influence, letting people know about the gospel message of Jesus Christ. But go ahead, grab your copy of God's Word. Say this with me. Say, I am what God's Word says I am. I can do what God's Word said I can do. I can become all that God said I could be. So today, I'll hear God's Word, I'll receive God's Word, and I'll obey God's Word because I love His Word. Now turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, it's after Easter, but you still look good. Come on, just let it, (laughs) it's after Easter, but you look good still. Oh, you could turn, if you will, to uh, Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. As you're turning there, heard a story about this little Catholic girl, and she uh, went to confessional, and she was speaking there to her priest, and she said, forgive me, Father, for I've sinned. And he said, well, what's, what is the sin that you've committed? She said, I've, I've committed this sin and, and I'm not even sure what to do with it. She said, I just, I, I constantly and forever have a problem with the sin of vanity. He said, well, could you explain that? And she said, yes, every morning I wake up, I, I look in the mirror, I gaze at myself, and I just say, you are the most beautiful woman in the entire world. And the priest just took a really good look at her, looked at her in the face, said, sweetheart, that's not the sin of vanity. That's astigmatism. (laughs) Astigmatism is when you can't see really well. Okay, I'm just saying. (laughs) How many of you know sometimes we misperceive ourselves? We don't see ourselves quite that way. And some people, yeah, they might struggle with the sin of vanity. But most of us in this room, we have a problem with the other side. We just don't see ourselves truly the way God sees us. And I want you to know today that you matter to God, that he loves you with an everlasting love. And today I want to talk to you specifically about the, the, in the title that not only you matter, but God can use you. I want you to know God can use you. You might say, well, listen, I, I, I don't know if he could really use me because I'm just not that worthy of being used. Let me tell you something. It's not about our worthiness. It's about his worthiness and what he's done for us. Now, I want to ask you just this quick question. How many enjoyed Easter? Come on, how many enjoyed Easter? Wasn't it good? Didn't we enjoy that celebration? I want you to know that we counted up, and between the two services and our, uh, the, the whole Easter weekend, including our kids' ministry event on Saturday, we had to have... Listen, over 300 volunteers, 300 people that set aside time to be able to serve this house and serve you well for Easter to take place. Can you give it up for all of these amazing people? Matter of fact, some of them are currently serving right now in various areas of ministry. And I want you to know that these are not super Christians. These are just like me, average, ordinary people that God is choosing to use for his kingdom's benefit and to bless other people. God's choosing to use people, and I want you to know God can use you today. There's nothing like the thrill of being used by God, and if you've never been used by God, if you've never known what that feels like to be used by God in some strategic way, friends, uh, you don't know what you're missing, but nothing compares to it. 
It is the greatest joy of my life to be used by God in some way. And I want you to know, he doesn't just use me for 30 minutes on a Sunday morning standing up here. Day after day, in what would seem like ordinary ways, God chooses to use me and my wife and my family, my children, and those of you that are Christians in this room, you need to understand God has a purpose and a plan for your life to use you for his glory. Now, let me just separate some things real quick before we get started. If he's going to use me, I want you to understand, we often as Christians say, God, use me. Lord, use me. If you can use anything, Lord. You can use me, right? I mean, just, Lord, in any way, just use me. And then (laughs) God uses us. He chooses to use us. And what happens? We feel used. God used me. People used me. Well, let me tell you something. We have to find that middle ground, that balance point, where we understand that we're asking God to use us, our gifts, our talents, our abilities, for his kingdom's sake, But then we also have to understand and come to this realization that as we're being used by God to do great things, sometimes if people overlook us or we don't get the applause we think we deserve, we can feel used. So I want you to find this middle ground of balance that I believe the Lord wants to bring us because I believe we were made for far more than just a boring life where we wake up and we, you know, go to work, and then we come home, we go to bed, and we do this, you know, Groundhog Day all over again. I don't think God intended for us to live a boring, selfish, self-centered, self-serving life. The purpose of life is for more than just get an education, get a job, make some money, retire, and die. Friends, God's got more for you than that. He wants to have you involved in eternal purposes, And I believe God's going to teach you that you are shaped to serve. You were created to contribute. And God wants to use you. Romans chapter 6, verse 13. Here it is. It says, give yourselves completely to God. Everybody say completely to God. Every part of you, it says. You want to be tools in the hands of God to be used for his good purpose. Used by God for his good purpose. The problem is we often have a fear. And the fear of being used by God are twofold. Either we feel disqualified or unqualified. We feel disqualified. Well, you don't know my past. You don't know my problems. You don't know the issues of life. You don't know my sins. You don't know the things that I've done wrong. If you only knew what I've done, you know that God can't use me. You feel disqualified. Or others that feel unqualified. You feel like, well, I don't have her gifts. I don't have his talent. I don't have their ability. You just don't know that I I don't have much to offer. I'm unqualified. And I want you to know, if you look at the life of the Apostle Paul, it blows up all of those myths. You need to know God wants to use you in ways you never imagined. Matter of fact, when you look throughout human history, you will see, and specifically biblical history, you will see the Apostle Paul was used, arguably, he was used more by God than just about any other human being he's ever used on planet Earth. He spread Christianity almost single-handedly across the Roman Empire. He planted all these churches. He wrote by, by the power of the Holy Spirit. He penned over half the New Testament, friends. Can you imagine But he writes about the secret to being used by God 
in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I want you to turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He gives us the secret to being used by God even when you're imperfect. Because the Apostle Paul had a horrible past. And by the way, he's writing to the Corinthians. That's the church in Corinth. It would be no different than if he was writing a letter to us. And second Dothanians. You know, he was writing to us just like he was writing to the church in Corinth. Those believers there. And he wanted to teach them how to fulfill their purpose even when they had made some mistakes in life. And here's the, the first and probably most important way we can be used by God is we got to just say it's not about me. That's the best way you can start. It's not about me. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 5 says it like this. Our message is not about ourselves. Come on, it takes humility to be used by God. It's not about ourselves. It is about Jesus Christ. Everybody say it's about Jesus. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say it is all about Jesus. Right? says we're merely servants for Jesus' sake. He used that term for Jesus' sake over and over again in that chapter. It's all about Jesus. And by the way, that is so counterculture. Man, you are being yelled to the t at the top of the lungs by every advertising agency. It's all about you. It is all about you. It's all about you. And it feeds our self-centeredness and our narcissism. It is all about you. Take a selfie, another selfie <laughs> with your iPhone. <laughs> It's about me. But listen, friends, you're not the center of the universe, and neither am I. God is the center of it all. And God often says, listen, there are times where he's not just interested in what you do. He's interested in why you do it. He's not just interested in your methodology. He's interested in your motivation. What's the why behind the what? Right? You can have the right methodology and the wrong motive, and God's still not okay with it. Think about that. On the other hand, you could serve God, and you could be, you know, imperfect and make a few mistakes along the way. But if you're intending to serve God with your whole heart, he says, I'm, I'm honored by that. You've got to know why you do what you do and be honest about it. We've had well-meaning, amazing new believers that have come in to not just this church, but the years of ministry, almost 30 years of ministry. And we've watched how a new believer will come in, not coerced, not pressured to perform. They just say, out of the gratitude of my heart, the overwhelming graciousness of God in my life, I want to be used by God. I want to serve in some capacity. Pastor, show me the right place that I can serve, and I just want to get my hands in there, get my hands dirty, and do something for the Lord. Man, I want to make a difference in this world. And they start out so good. Oh, it's awesome. They're filled with zeal and enthusiasm, like, I just want to do something for God. I just want to do something for God. This is going to be amazing. And then they get involved in ministry, and they start to have some successes and they start to be seen by others, and they start to be recognized by others. All of a sudden, the motivation slowly begins to change and now they're serving for the approval and the applause and the attention without realizing it they they move from a motivation of doing something for God doing it for me for myself Paul says I'm a servant of the most high God and I do it for the Lord's sake people often start out being a servant and they end up trying to be a celebrity 
And friends, I want you to know there are no superstar Christians in this house. There are no super celebrities in this house. We're just being used for the glory of God the Father. Look at this in first, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. The Apostle Paul goes on to describe the significance of being imperfect but being used by God. Here it is. We are like clay jars in which this treasure is stored. Who's the treasure? It's Christ himself. It's, our, it's, the, it's the Holy Spirit that's residing in us. It says the real power, here it is, comes from God and not us. Friends, think about this. You and I are just clay pots in which the treasure of God and the power of God reside. The real power comes from God and not us. What happens if you drop a clay pot? What happens? It gets broken, right? It gets a little cracked. We are all cracked pots for the glory of God. But you know what? There's good news. The cracks in the pot of your life, you know what that is? That's where the glory of God shines through. The glory of God shines best in these broken vessels that we call our bodies. Broken minds. I talked about it last week. We, we're flawed in every way because sin entered this world. We are all broken. Nobody's blameless. But God allows his glory to shine through the cracks of our lives. And I've learned through the years that God just doesn't want to use my strengths. He also wants to use, listen, my weaknesses. Yes, God will use your strengths, but I want you to know, often God will even, even use your weaknesses to a greater degree. Why is that? Think about this. When you share your strengths with other people, how good you are, how great you are, how holy you are, how awesome you are, how wonderful you are, how gifted, talented you are. How many understand people can resent you or become jealous of you or worse yet be intimidated by you and say, well, sure, God used you. You're so gifted. But on the other hand, when you share your weaknesses, your pain, what you've been through, God begins to shine through the cracks of your weaknesses and he, it draws people closer. Friends, God's always used flawed people, always Every person that's ever been used by God has been flawed in some way. And friends, I want you to know, just being honest up here, the sea, in seasons of my life, I did everything humanly possible to try to hide my weaknesses from everybody around me. I wouldn't have even tried to admit them to myself because I just didn't want everybody to know because I wanted people to like me so bad. I was like, I don't want anybody to see my flaws. <laughs> I don't want to see everybody to see my shortcomings. And so I do everything out of insecurity to try to hide those things from anybody else and, and even trying to hide them from myself, to act like they weren't there. And friends, I got plenty of them. You know, I, I tell, I, I, I've never publicly said this, but I battle with something that's one of the most embarrassing things in my life. And uh, they called it anomic aphasia. I've not been clinically diagnosed, but, but I've never shared this publicly, but it, I've never been at a loss for words except for names. And, and people have said, well, you just use, use this tactic, use this Zig Ziglar way to name somebody's name. If you really love people, you'll know their name. You'll really know them. Can I just tell you, almost every friend I've ever had in my entire life, think about this, from the time I was this tall till this tall, every friend I've ever had in my life, I had come up with a nickname for them because I could not remember their names. My own best friend, I could not remember his name. I'd look him right in the eyes, and I couldn't call his name. I can say a thousand words up here on the platform, but ask me to call your name, and it's going to be a train wreck. 
And you know what? That's the absolute, positively worst possible thing you could ever struggle with as a pastor. You want to know why? Because it makes people feel horrible when you don't know their name. It makes them feel devalued or insignificant. And so I battled with that all my life. And secretly, up until this very second, I have never publicly acknowledged it because I was afraid that people would think poorly of me or not like me as much. But I want you to know, God can still use a flawed guy like me who can't remember his own wife's name or kid's name sometimes. Come on. I'll look her right in the face and say, hey, beautiful. (laughs) I know she's beautiful. I just don't know what her name is. She's like, as long as you don't know another girl's name, that's fine with me. (laughs) Oh, it's horrible. And the worst part about it oftentimes is that people come up to me and and I'll start talking to them and they go, you don't know my name, do you? You know what? From now on, I'm going to go, no, I don't. (laughs) You need to tell me. Oh, it's, you know what? I feel a release. I just felt a release just now. I felt all this pressure for 30 straight years of ministry that I couldn't do something that it seemed like every other pastor was great at. And I, listen, I thought I didn't know how to love people well because I couldn't do it like other pastors did it. I watched other people that were great with that. And I would look at them and I would just feel so bad about myself secretly but I feel like a weight just lifted off of me. I can still do the work of God, love people well, and not be able to call your name out. Matter of fact, introduce yourself to me every time you see me. I don't care if you know me for seven straight years. Just introduce, hey, just want to let you know what my name was. I might forget it in the middle of the conversation. but Oh, man. Trying to hide those weaknesses. God can use... Our weaknesses, if we can be open and honest and vulnerable and admit them, God can use those major weaknesses in our life. Do you know all of us have weaknesses and strengths? We have great strengths and major weaknesses. And friends, they don't cancel each other out. We just, when we admit them, God can use them. Humility is not denying your strengths. Humility is being honest about your weaknesses. And God doesn't use prideful people. He uses humble people. Humility, listen, is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. Putting others first, your attention, your focus on them. Others focus. Like when you walk into a party, if all you can think of is, I wonder what everybody's thinking about me. Well, that's pride. But if you walk into that same party and you go, I wonder how I can bless and help others. That's humility, right? You're just turning your attention. So God says it's not all about us. So if it's not all about us, who is it about? It's about God. It's about God. And that's the second really valuable piece to remember when it comes to being used by God. Number two is this. It's about God. It's about God. Write that down. It's about God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 Going back to verse 1, here's what Paul says about that. It is God himself in his mercy who has given us this wonderful work. Everybody say a wonderful work. Wonderful work. Not a tedious work. I mean, ministry is work. Don't get me wrong. Ministry is work. But ministry is fulfilling. 
And he says he gave us this wonderful work of telling his good news to others so we will never give up. Everything that God does in you and through you, he does because of his mercy, not because of your goodness. And people misunderstand this word ministry. They think, well, ministers minister. (laughs) That's all it is, is pastors, pastor, ministers, minister. Listen, every single one of you is a minister. You have a ministry. It's not that you're going to become a pastor. You may never, never be a pastor or called to be a pastor, but you are a minister because you have a ministry because God gave you something to give, right? And some of that happens in church where you bless others and help others and serve others and encourage others. And some of it happens outside of the, 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 the walls of this church. As a matter of fact, my, my hope would be that the ministry of your life would take place outside the four walls of the church, That you would do the work of the ministry outside the walls of this church to bless others, encourage others, support others, challenge others to become more like Christ, to know God and his mercy and his love. Whether you're a school teacher or a business owner, God can use you in your sphere of influence to bless others. God in his mercy gave us this work to do. You were created to make a contribution. You weren't made to just make up, to take up space. You were made to be used by God. And by the way, you can't earn God's love. We don't deserve it. He gave it freely. I talked about this last week. There's nothing that can stop God from loving you. Nothing about your life that makes God love you less. When you understand his unconditional love, what happens is you stop trying to prove your worth, right? People, they try to prove their worth by their work. Listen, your work has nothing to do with your worth. Your valuables have nothing to do with your value. You can accumulate a a lot of wealth and still feel worthless. God is the one that is worthy and he makes you worthy. And you don't have to wallow in your mistakes. If you've made a few, guess what? The Bible says, though the righteous have fallen, even seven times they'll get back up again. You don't have to wallow in those mistakes, in those weaknesses, in those dumb decisions. You got to admit it and then repent and turn. That was what I said last week as we're walking. Repentance is is a simple word. It, It just simply means you're walking away from God and walking toward your sin. And all of a sudden you stop and you turn. That's called repentance. You turn toward him. You repent from those things that you've done wrong and you begin to start fresh. The apostle Paul was used by God, as I said, and yet he had a terrible past and he was very honest about it. You know what the Apostle Paul was before he was a teacher, before he was a preacher, before he was a pastor, before he was a church planter? You know what he was? He was an anti-Christian terrorist. That's what the Apostle Paul was. Going from city to city, harming and killing Christians. He was the exact opposite of what you'd expect God to use. And he wrote this to this young son in the faith, Timothy, this young pastor, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, it says this, I thank Jesus Christ, our Lord, who gave me strength because he trusted me. Everybody say he trusted me. He trusted me and gave me this work of serving him. Friends, God gave him a work and trusted him with it. He's now trusting you with a work of ministry. It goes on to say in verse 13, if you didn't think God could use you, just look at the Apostle Paul. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. Here it is. Even though I used to scoff at the name of Christ, I hunted down his people, harming them in every way 
that I could. And in verse 15, it says, I was the worst sinner of all. Just look at your spouse and go, see, it was the Apostle Paul. It's not me. I'm not the worst sinner of all. Everybody say, he was the worst sinner. (laughs) Friends, your past does not preclude your future. Your past is your past. God can use you today. Why? Because of his mercy. You say, well, that was just one incident where the Apostle Paul admitted those things. No, look at the Galatians chapter 1, verses 13 and 15. Look at what he says to this church in Galatia. It says this, you know what I was like, talking about before I was a follower of Christ, as the Apostle Paul speaking. He says how I went after Christians mercilessly, hunting them down and doing my best to get rid of them all. But then something happened. For even before I was born, God had chosen me and called me. What kindness and grace. Paul's saying amid all the mistakes I made, God still chose to use me. And that's the same. It's the same of you, friends. I don't know what you've done. I don't know what your past is. I don't know how eloquent a speaker you are, but friends, God can still use you. No matter where you've been or what you've done, if you've repented and turned, God says, I can trust you and use you for my glory. He says, I want to use you. You've been called and chosen to serve. You've been shaped for service, created to contribute, and your past doesn't have to disqualify you. God, Listen, if God only used perfect people, Nothing would get done on the earth, right? God only uses flawed and broken and sinful people who don't have it all together. God gets the glory when he uses flawed people. So God created you. He loves you, came to save you and change you so you could change the world. Think about the people throughout the Bible that God chose to use that had an excuse to not be used by God, right? Abraham, he was too old. Josiah, he was too young. (laughs) One was 100, one was eight. (laughs) God used them both. Jacob was a chronic liar. God still used him. Leah was unattractive. God still used her. Joseph was abused. Gideon was poor. Samson was a codependent, reckless man. Rahab was a prostitute, yet Rahab is in God's hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, right? Jonah was fearful and reluctant. Elijah was suicidal. Come on, you may have struggled with some stuff. Naomi was an elderly widow. Jeremiah had chronic depression. Friends, some of you in this room, you struggle with some of these very things, and God still used them. David, after having an affair, listen, killed his mistress husband. Mm. I'm not going to ask how many have done that in this room. Just going to keep on moving. God can still use you. God used all those people in a great way. Look at the New Testament, how God used John the Baptist, who was eccentric, A locust-eating eccentric, right? Peter was impulsive, had serious anger management issues to deal with. Martha was worried a lot. The Samaritan woman had several failed marriages. Zacchaeus was unethical. He was a scam artist. Thomas had doubts. Timothy was timid. 
Paul was a murderer. Think about all these people that God still used. What's your excuse? What's your excuse? Can you still be used by God? Every saint has had a past, friends. Romans 3.23 says everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glorious standard. God says no matter how you've messed up, he still wants to use you. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, look at this. It says, it is God himself who's made us what we are given as new lives from Christ. Let me read that again. It is God himself, everybody say God himself, who has made us what we are and given us new lives from Christ Jesus. Long ago, he planned that we should spend these lives helping others. Helping others is just another word for ministry. That's ministry. When you use your talents, your gifts, your ability to help others in the name of Jesus Christ, you're being used by God for his glory. So it's not about you, it's about God, but it's also about eternity. And if the worship team would come as we prepare to close, it's about eternity. Having an eternal perspective, what does that mean? I've told this story many times, but my mom and dad have both taught me this valuable lesson. When I would get upset about the day-to-day I'd get frustrated about a situation that was occurring in my life. My, my parents would teach me. They'd say, in the light of eternity, what does it really matter? And friends, when you live in the light of eternity, it seems like all these big problems become small problems in comparison to eternity, right? The more you understand the eternal perspective, the less you're bothered by the trials of the day-to-day. The bigger picture you have of eternity, the smaller picture you have of your problems about the here and now. 2 Corinthians 4, 17. Look at this. The apostle Paul says, these little troubles, everybody say little troubles, are getting us ready for an eternal glory that will make all these troubles seem like nothing. What was he talking about? These small troubles, these little tiny insignificant problems. Well, he names them in 2 Corinthians 11. I'll read a couple of them to you. This is what the Apostle Paul seemed to see as small troubles. He was shipwrecked on multiple occasions. He was lost out at sea, just drifting. Piece of driftwood out at sea. Doesn't know if he's going to live or die. Sharks all around him. Doesn't know if anybody's going to come by and pick him up. Just drifting. Small problems. He was unlawfully imprisoned multiple times. Matter of fact, most of the letters that you read that he wrote in the New Testament were written from a jail cell. I mean, come on. He says from a jail cell, take joy, take joy, take courage. He goes on and on of all these, like, I mean, we get a hangnail and we're like, God's not real. You know, it's like, what happened to you, bro? What's wrong with you? Get a grip. He was beaten three times with rods. Flogged five times with 39 lashes. Man, if I was hit once with a, ba- with a baseball bat or with a whip, I'd be like, God, where are you? How many know in this life, there will be trouble. The Bible says it. Jesus said it. He 
said there's going to be trouble in this life. You'll be persecuted, the Bible says, especially if you serve Jesus Christ. There is a sacrifice of service, friends. And, and listen, in American, in American Christianity, that theology seems to get lost, but it is in every chapter of the Bible. It's in every chapter of the New Testament. After Christ, there is sacrificial service for the king's sake. These little troubles. He was starved and freezing, danger on every side. He was stoned at least once and not those like the 70s. You know what I'm saying? I did that like I had been stoned before. I hadn't been stoned, Will. I'm just letting you know. I hadn't been stoned. I did it like I had done it before, though, right? I'm asking you like you have been stoned. That was a, I threw that out at you, and I didn't mean to throw that shade. Oh, that was funny right there. Trust me, I can, there's a lot of 70s folks out here. Mm, they know, bro. They know what we don't know. They said, B.C. before Christ. Adjust the halo. <laughs> no, people threw real rocks at this guy to kill him. Little troubles. He says, in all these little troubles, these small problems, see, he saw an eternal perspective. That's why in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 9, he goes on to say, we'll never give up. We get knocked down, but we get up again. You thought that song was written by somebody recent. No. Apostle Paul said, we get knocked down, but we're going to get up again. We're going to keep on getting back up again. Tell your neighbor, tell the person beside you, tell them, get back up again. No matter what knocks you down, you better get back up again. You better be strong and courageous. You better take the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. You better put on the armor of God. Get ready for the fight. The fight may come your way, but the Bible says that God will protect you. He'll watch out for you. He will make a way where there seems to be no way. No weapon formed against you will be able to prosper it doesn't say that weapons won't be formed it just says they won't prosper it doesn't say bad things won't happen to you friend it just says that God will get the glory out of your story he'll glory in your weaknesses he'll shine through the cracks of the clay pot friends this life is pretty short maybe a hundred years we'll get out of it maybe but how long is eternity so in light of that, these small troubles, these minor issues, these temporary problems, God will even use them to give us rewards in eternity in heaven. He says, and it's an eternal glory. Look at this. Once again, 2 Corinthians 4, 17. These little troubles are getting us ready for what? An eternal glory. Eternal glory. 2 Corinthians 4, 18. Let's just kind of close it out with this. Here's why we don't stay focused on the trouble today, but the focus is eternal. It says, we don't look at the troubles we see right now. Rather, we fix our gaze. You know what that means? Focus, laser focus. We fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For those things that we see will soon be gone. But these things that we cannot see, talking about eternity, the eternal rewards, they last forever. People live life with one of three motivations. They live with an internal motivation, right? A me motivation to be happy and wealthy and rich and famous and all the things that we want and we like and we desire. And other people live with an external motivation. They want to please other people. It's all about you focused. It's you motivation. 
But friends, there's something, there's a, a motivation that's higher than those two. Higher than an internal or an external motivation. Friends, there is an eternal motivation that we as Christians are called to live by, to be focused on eternity. So friends, what issue has been holding you back? What problem or crisis or trouble or even sin has been holding you back from being used by God, from letting God? Has it been, maybe, maybe it wasn't sin, maybe it was hurt. Maybe it's shame. Whatever it is, friends, I, I don't know what your issue is that you feel like you're unqualified or disqualified, but God says he still has a purpose. He still has a plan. You still matter to God. You are not devalued. He still loves you with an everlasting love. And friend, if it is sin that's separating you from God, you can receive forgiveness. God says he wipes it away. He gives you a fresh start if you'll choose to trust him. Friends, you matter to God. And he wants to use you for his glory and his purpose, for the purpose you were created and designed for. Don't think he's using you to use you up like someone that's abusive that just wants to get something out of you. No, he loves you with an everlasting love, but you've been created for something greater than yourself. You were created to be a blessing and God wants to use you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? There may be some in this room, you'd say, Mark, I need Jesus to come into my life. I need him to be Lord and Savior over every area. Friends, you're in good company. As I said, we all have mistakes that we've made. We all have a past. We all have issues. We all deal with stuff. And anything that is outside of the plan and purpose of God, the will of God, you know what? That's called sin, and that sin separates us from God. But God said he created a way. He built a bridge between the chasm that separated us from God, and that bridge was the cross. And Jesus Christ not only died on that cruel cross to pay the penalty for our sin, but just like we celebrated last week on Easter Sunday, Jesus Christ didn't stay in the grave after three days. He rose again from the dead to give us new life. And today you can receive that new life. Whether you're in this room or watching online today, friend, you need to know God loves you with an everlasting love. And today is the day of salvation for you. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'm going to invite you to simply do this. I'm going to invite you, if you want to be included in this closing prayer, where you say, Mark, I need Jesus to come in and clean up some areas of my life. Maybe it's a first-time decision. Friend, I'm not here to judge you or embarrass you. It's my heart to just simply give you the invitation to know Jesus, the one who can give you forgiveness and freedom. Others of you in this room, you may be running from God or you might be religious in this room, whatever your category is, it doesn't matter. This may be a first, second, third. This may be a fourth time decision. Maybe this is the 50th time you've said yes to Jesus, but friend, it's okay. Today is your day. Would you do this all over this house in, in just a moment? On the count of three, I'm gonna invite you to slip up your hand, acknowledging by the raised hand, Mark, that's me. Include me in this closing prayer. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'm gonna invite you to do this. Just simply invite the Lord into that space, that area, and let him clean up your life and make you brand new today. If that's you on the count of three, one, two, three. Come on right now, lift up that hand all over this place. Yes, God bless you. Two, three, four, five, six folks. Yeah, seven, eight. God bless you in the balcony. Yeah, on the main floor. Yes, God bless you. Nine, 
God bless you. Anybody else? I'm just scanning the audience from the balcony to the main floor, under balcony. Is that you? Just slip up your hand. That's you today. God bless you. God bless you. Yeah, sir. God bless you. Yes. God bless you, buddy. Anybody else? God bless you. You can put your hands down. And I'm going to pray this prayer. And I want to lead you in this prayer, everyone in this room. It's, it, it's not just a routine religious prayer or a ritual of some kind. It's an opportunity to make Jesus Christ truly the Lord of every area of your life. I want everybody to pray it, those out online and those in the building. You're making a willful commitment through prayer to make Jesus Christ the Lord of every area of your life. Would you pray this with me, everybody in the room, but especially you who lifted your hand. Say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus forgive me for my sins I repent for all I've done wrong I believe that you died and rose again for me and I make you Lord and Savior of my life thank you for loving me thank you for changing me I choose to trust you with every area of my life now fill me with your Holy Spirit in Jesus name Amen. Amen. Can you stand up with us? Put your hands together and celebrate all over this house. Come on, let's worship the King together. couple instructions. First and foremost, if you made that decision for Christ, I'm going to invite you to take out this connection card in the seat pocket in front of you and just check the box letting us know you made a decision for Christ today. We want to know that that decision has been made so we can continually lift you up in prayer. You can do it electronically as well, but I'd also encourage you and invite you to do an another thing for us. If you've never been baptized Friends, the greatest joy of life is making that public declaration and letting a congregation like this celebrate with you in what Christ has done for you. I also want to encourage you with this thing called Grow Track. It's just simply a three-week opportunity for you to get to know the leadership of this church, Michelle and I and some of our pastors and elders. As well, it gives you opportunity to connect with membership and ministry outlets. I said you matter to God, and I said that you have a purpose, and a God's got a plan for you, the talents, gifts, and abilities. God can use you. Let me tell you something. The best way to be used by God is in a ministry, and we provide uh, just so many ministry outlets. It doesn't matter what gift or talent you've got, I, pr I promise. God can use you, and we've got plenty of outlets, both inside the walls of the church and outside of this church. 
And I'm gonna dismiss some of our leadership team. If you had prepared to go, because we have a special guest reception prepared just for you. Those that are first time guests in the house, we'd love to be able to celebrate you. And uh, so they're gonna put that together and make sure that it's prepared. So give them just a few more moments so they can get that ready. And if you'll take the connection card and bring that with you, uh, if you're a first time guest, fill out the information and then hand it to us. We will exchange this for a gift. Uh, just for hanging out with us today, we'll, we'll exchange that with you for a gift. And we want to give that to you free of charge. We just want to be a blessing to you. Don't forget, we got a, a couple of very special things coming up. Next week, those that are 18 to 35 years of age, we got a game night at 6 p.m. Uh, next Sunday after the service. Don't forget that we've got a citywide prayer gathering that's going to happen right here at the church. I would love it if every single one of you could just mark your calendars for the 30th, the last Sunday in April, and just make yourselves available for that special prayer. Listen, I don't know what God's going to do in that moment. It's, it's going to be around an hour and 20 minutes, about the same time our normal services is, from 5 o'clock until about 6.30, 6.20, something like that. But listen... The last time I saw a group of students get together and pray, a revival broke out that absolutely transformed the United States of America. I can believe the same for a citywide prayer gathering that it could touch and change Dothan. And so I'd encourage you to tell your friends, be a part of that. Uh, repost it on social media when you see us post that. I'd encourage you to do that. But this next Sunday and then the following Sunday and then all of the Sundays in May, we've got celebration happening. And I'd encourage you, invite you to be a part of those celebration Sundays. Well, listen, I want to release you with a blessing. Can I do that? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and bring you peace. And may the Lord our God write his name on your heart and declare you're my child. No one can take you from my hand. May you know the love of your Savior that came and died for you and rescued you. And may you give that love away to as many people as humanly possible. To your neighbors, your friends, your co-workers. May you bless your, your employees if you're an employer. May you bless your co-workers. And may you bless especially your family your spouse and your kids and your grandkids and great-grandkids. I bless you to be a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Did you get anything out of today? Hey, I pray you did. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you either next Sunday or this Wednesday. God bless you. You're dismissed.